Hello, and welcome to Opened Eyes Podcast. Today, Susan and I are talking about comparison. There is a quote from Mark Twain that says, comparison is the death of joy. So I don't know about you, Susan, but I have found myself in the church oftentimes comparing myself to other people, just seeing where they are in their faith or in the different spiritual gifts they have or the way they pray, the way they believe, all of that. A lot of times I just find myself comparing myself to them and feeling like I'm falling short. Absolutely. I would actually say the feeling of inferiority is what kept me from really belonging to the church for a very long time because I wanted to join a Bible study or I wanted to know more about God, but I always felt deeply insecure about, well, I don't know scripture like other people do. I don't even know where to start to learn scripture. I don't even know how to start a prayer very well. And I would hear other people praying and eloquent prayers. And I was like, wow, that is amazing and beautiful. I don't even know where that came from. I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to start a prayer like that. And so for a long time, I would even say many years, that feeling of inferiority that I felt comparing myself to other believers, um, actually kept me even from being in the church. Wow. Yeah. And we know it's not biblical, right? The comparison all throughout the Bible, the Lord talks about, you know, that he does not have a favorite child. He's no respecter of persons. What he will do for one, he will do for another. And a lot of times, I mean, I think comparison is just part of our culture, right? I I feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like every podcast we're bringing up social media, but you know, I mean, how do you not compare yourself when you're looking at people's highlight reels and and you're looking Mm -hmm. at your real life, Mm -hmm. but it definitely goes on in the church because people do have different spiritual gifts and it's because God has called us to be the body of Christ. Yes. So in the Bible, when God talks about the church, and I'm not talking about four walls and a roof, I'm right. talking about the people of God, mm-hmm. the church. He calls it the body of Christ. Christ is the head and we are the body. And just like our body has all different body parts that do all different things, have all different jobs assigned to them. So it is with the body of believers. And we can't all pray the eloquent prayers. We can't all do all the same thing or we'd never get the job done, right? What God has called us to do. And I often remind myself that there is no small body part or useless body part. You know, even our pinky toe helps us balance, you know, or if it's hurt, if you stub it, it's throbbing. It's it, you mind, have your yeah. mind on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you, we can't all be, you know, the arm or the leg or the eye, but the parts that we play benefit those other parts. And it's just, we need to be able to work together and not 
judge or compare based on what different gifts are? So what was one of the things when you would face this feeling of um, inferiority, when you would compare yourself to other, either other members of the church or just other members within the body of Christ, what were some things that helped you to move past that? That is a good question. I think what I wanted to do was shrink back and, you know, be Mm -hmm. on the back row, kind of be unseen. Um, But the more I just remained faithful in pursuing the Lord, the more I actually started to see him churning up the gifts inside of me Mm -hmm. and came to a, a place where I appreciated what he had put in me, even though it didn't look like what I saw in others. So before we started recording, you shared with me um, something you'd written in your prayer journal, which I love because it talks about Joseph. Will you share that? Yes. So, you know, Joseph was um, the favorite favorite child, the, the one who had the coat of many colors. And um, he had kind of a rough life, which ended up, you know, really well. But so anyway, this is, this is the quote. Joseph did not endure the pit Potiphar's house in prison because he knew he would end up in the palace. He simply remained faithful wherever he found himself. God did the rest. And that's a quote by H.B. Charles Jr. I literally do not even know who that is, but <laughs> it came across my Facebook feed this morning. And I just, it really just spoke to me that, you know, we see these amazing gifts in other people, which we can kind of liken to the palace. But if we just remain faithful where God has put us and do the job that he's called us to do or what we see right in front of us, he will do you know, the rest it's, but what the enemy does, he wants us to compare and feel like we can't contribute at all, or, you know, we're not worthy to be there and basically take us out of the game. Yeah. Um, I have, I have written down here. There are two traps of comparison that have, there are two results that happen. One is you feel, you can feel inferior, which, um, you and I both share, we've experienced. So when you feel inferior, you'll say, well, since I'm not like you, or I'm not like that person that I admire, who's an amazing worship leader or who prays the eloquent prayers or who serves with such a heart, since I'm not like you, I have no value. Mm -hmm. So that's the inferiority piece. The second result of comparison is the superiority side of it, where we say, since you are not like me, you have no value. Mm -hmm. Or I thought about that a little bit more. Like when we start to feel superior, we're like, well, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. The better than. The better than. Mm -hmm. And so I think that also can result in being stuck. Because then you think, well, I'm doing pretty good. Like I'm doing better than that person. I, you know. So you're therefore never trying to you're do not better. Trying to do <laughs> you better. feel good about or, where you are. Yeah, like the Lord may have something else planned for you, but you're like, well, I'm good. I don't need to. I don't need to do anything more than I'm doing right now. Right. When there could be more that you're just not 
seeing because you're stuck in that space of superiority. Well, I'm better. I'm better. Mm -hmm. At least I'm better than that person. And really the enemy does not care which, if if he has you in the arrogant mind frame Mm -hmm. or the insecure mind frame, either way, he just wants you to stay stuck. Right. And not grow in your faith, in your relationship with God, in your giftings and your abilities to help the body of Christ. Either way, he just wants you to, he wants to neutralize you where you are. And it's pretty effective techniques, honestly. I mean, he's not, he's not unintelligent in how he um, manipulates our human spirit and the need, I think, that we all have to know that we are valued Mm -hmm. and to know that we are created for a plan and a purpose. And I think that gets back to the underlying issue really of comparison comes when we look to outside sources, even if it's within the church to affirm us or to show us our value Mm -hmm. instead of, as you were saying, being faithful to God where you are. Okay, God, here's where I am. You know what? I am not a master singer. I am not going to get up and lead praise and worship right. today. I'm not a theologian. I, I cannot dissect the Bible no. and take you from Old Testament to New no. Testament and all of that. But that's okay because there is something else that I can do, that I can contribute. And so I think as we work really hard on remaining faithful where we are and also giving ourselves the time for God to reveal what our gifts and our talents might be. And then surrounding ourselves with people who are wise, who are good mentors, who may see something within us that we don't even see. Right. That who can speak into us and say, this is what I see in you. This is where I see you going. This is where I see you being able to fit and, and use your gift well. Exactly. I think that is so, so important, which is why it's so very necessary to be part of a body of believers mm-hmm. because that's where you are encouraged and are able to see what you contribute to the lives of others. And, and we, we learn through scripture that spiritual gifts have a purpose. They're not for our own personal gain. They're not to be like, Oh, wow. You're right. Such and a great everyone speaker. has one. So if you're sitting here listening to this yes. podcast thinking, well, that's them. I don't. Yes, you do. God has put yes. gifts inside each and every one of us. Yes. And it may take time to be revealed because I speak, I speak from personal experience on that one. But um, as I was thinking about the gifts that God gives us, they really are not for, for our own personal benefit. Like we're not supposed to use those gifts for selfish reasons. Like just mm-hmm. so we look good. Right. They're supposed to do three things like they're supposed to build someone up or build the church up, strengthen them and whatever it is that they are going through to encourage and to comfort. So everyone that has a gift can use that then to find a need in the community, in your church, and then try to meet that need through the gifts that you have been given by the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what happens within yourself when you use those gifts that God gives you to help someone. You find a joy, you find a fulfillment, you find purpose, you find value in meeting someone else's need. It kind of takes Mm -hmm. that, uh, takes the spotlight off of yourself when you're thinking of others and how you can serve them. Right. And, you know, I just remind myself of this all the time that 
God never calls the qualified. Thankfully. <laughs> he is the one who qualifies you. It's it's yeah, his it's power. True. It's him working in you that gets the job done, that that makes whatever he's calling you to successful. It's not you. Yeah, it's so your good. willingness mm-hmm. and your obedience to mm-hmm. step out in faith and say, okay, God, if you're calling me to it, you're going to walk me through That's it. Right. And the Bible is full of stories about God calling the least of these, the the yeah. inadequate, the the unqualified. Mm-hmm. You know, Moses had a stuttering problem, yet God called him to go speak to Pharaoh. That's right. You know, to let the and Moses kept saying to him, "No, no, call somebody else, <laughs> not me." And he, you know, he said, "No, yeah. I have called you." Gideon had to lead an army of men. And when God called him, he literally was hiding underground in a pressing, um, like threshing wheat place. And, and, and he literally said to God, I am the weakest in my family. And God called him mighty warrior. I have called you. So Gideon saw himself as the weakest, but God spoke what he saw in Gideon. And he said, mighty warrior, I have called you. That is so good. I definitely feel like so God I sees, run from that right? often. We look at what we see mm-hmm. in the natural, you know, mm-hmm. and God says, no, I know what I've put inside of you. I know who I've called you to be. And he is a creator that speaks a thing. And it is, I mean, he created the world by speaking it into existence. So that is, this should be a whole nother podcast, but just the power of words of yeah, what we say, you know, out of our mouths. You know, I, I really hate it when I hear people say, oh, gosh, I'm so stupid or, oh, I always mess that up. Or I, and they're just speaking those things over, over themselves over instead of, you know, I'm not saying to brag, but speak life to yourself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that should be a whole nother, <laughs> that be a whole nother podcast, but you know, our words have power. Um, and so, you know, actually I was just thinking at the beginning of this podcast, you know, I said, God doesn't have any favorite child, you know, he's no respecter of persons, what he'll do for one, he'll do for another. But I almost want to flip that script and say, we are actually all God's favorite child. It says in the word that we are the apple of his eye. So instead of thinking of us as, well, none of us are his favorite. We're all his favorite. I had somebody tell me one time to think about God putting your picture on his refrigerator and like walking by and just smiling and saying, that's my girl or that's my boy. But he does that for each one of us. I mean, when Christ went to the cross, he went for each one of us. He would have done it for you, Susan. He would have done it just for me. You know, and actually had someone tell me one time, John 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son to cross that out and say, for God so loved Amanda. Oh, that's good. That he gave his one and only son, because that is true. Like he did Mm -hmm. die for the whole world and it's his will that no man should perish, but he also would have done it for just you or just me. So we're all his favorite children. And so I don't. We, we need to go to him in that posture of you are a good father and you love me and I 
want to do what you want me to do, what you know is best for me. And just know that he sees the best in you. Just like when Gideon said, I'm weak. And he said, no, mighty warrior. God saw the best in him, what he could be at his absolute best. And he sees all of us that way. And so it's just up to us to be obedient, to keep pressing and and strengthening our relationship with our father and allow him to unearth those gifts. I think that is so good, Amanda. I really am. T- I'm listening so intently to that and taking it to heart and writing <laughs> notes because it's so good. Because I think um, one of the things I have to keep reminding myself as you were just explaining is the posture that we have towards God and the perspective of who he really is. He's a good father. He's kind. He's loving. He wants to teach us. He wants to help us. He's not expecting us to do all of this on our own. Right. And in fact, it is only because of him that we are able, that we are able. And I um, actually wrote down Ephesians 2 verse 10 that says, for we are God's masterpiece. Mm -hmm. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So even there, right from the very beginning of time, he's considered us his, his masterpiece, the one that he calls his beloved so that we can do good things. So we can show other people who he is so we can show kindness and gentleness and love. And by doing those things, we point back to to him him. and give him glory for it because he is the creator. He is the one who knit us together in our mothers when nobody knows us better than God. Nobody, because he's the one who formed us. He's the one who put us together. He's the one who nestled those gifts inside of us for his purposes, for his plans and for his glory. And, a lot of times I feel like we have a bunch of baggage on top of those gifts. And so the closer you get to the Lord, the more he will reveal, you know, those things to you. It's kind of like peeling back an onion. He'll show you something. And and so you'll start to work on that area of your life. And, and so I just feel like the more you kind of get rid of the baggage that we're all, we all carry those gifts have a chance to come to the surface more and, and just really knowing who you are in Christ and and who he's called you to be. Uh, yeah, that's really good. And then um, I, I keep going back to the the story of Joseph and because I think it's such a great, great story anyway, like the, the story of his faith and where he was, you know, sold into slavery. Then he was imprisoned and then he finally um, used the gift of interpreting dreams to get himself positioned by the Lord in the palace Um, So he could save his family from the famine in Egypt. And I really have taken to heart that in each of those places, like he never knew where God was taking him next. He just remained faithful where he was. He did the, he did such a great job, even in the prison that he got promoted and had influence the same thing when he took over at Potiphar's house, he did the best that he could there. His in every place was he, successful. He was, he he was, was raised elevated. to the top. Yeah, it wasn't that he was doing it because he's like, oh well, eventually I'm going to be at the palace. So no, I'm he never knew have, that. He yeah. never. And I think that's so great for us to remind ourselves that we have no idea where God is taking us. We could be in the pit right now, being sold as 
as he was sold as a slave, we could be in the prison. And God may have plans for us to go so much farther that we will never know until we get there. But it's just a great reminder to me that wherever we are, we're to be faithful and to do our best with the gifts God's given us in that place. So mm-hmm. I'm at home right now, right? I'm, I'm at home with, um, with my children of four, four daughters, and I'm currently, um, homeschooling the youngest. So right now I'm pouring into my family. I'm using the gifts and of hopefully of patience and <laughs> <laughs> just being able to be there for my family. And it's not, it's not glamorous. It's not exciting. It's not like, wow, look, you've arrived at this, at this great place, but I'm thankful for where I am. And I know that God has me in the place of being for my family so I can strengthen them, so I can encourage them, so I can be there when they have a bad day. Right. One of my favorite quotes is that your greatest achievement might not be what you do, but who you raise. That's good. So for all you stay-at-home moms, because I'm currently a stay-at-home mom as well, you know, your greatest achievement may not be something that that gets you all the accolades in your life. Right. It may be in what you are pouring into your children, into your husband, yeah, and who you are raising. That's right. You know, so don't ever undermine, you know, the one For of the sure. greatest ministries we all have is... In our, you own know, homes. in our own homes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And I love to go back to that. Just keep going back to Joseph. How, you know, he did have all that favor in the palace. And mm-hmm. so I think it probably would have been pretty easy for him to slip out of there to, to somehow get himself out. But if he had, let's say if he had escaped, because I think it says in the word that he, he had control over a bunch of the stuff going up, yeah, going on in the prison. If he had escaped just 24 hours before Pharaoh called him out, he would have been a hunted man in Egypt, uh, you know, most yeah. wanted. But by staying, he became the second most powerful man in the whole country. Yeah. So again, remain where, don't do it in your own strength. Mm-hmm. If he had tried to get out of that prison in his own strength and in, in his own power, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it would have been a totally different story. Yeah. But because he remained faithful to where God had placed him, God was able to do the miraculous and elevate him literally within 24 hours from the prison to the second highest in command. I think that's another excellent point too, because when I think back to Joseph, like he needed his character developed. He needed, Mm, yes, he needed his faith in God's timing and in God's plan um, to come to fruition before God was ready to use him, you know, years later in Egypt, because I think at first in the story, he was, he was quite arrogant about being able. Well, God to had given him faith. a dream. Yes. Right. So it's not that he didn't, you know, we said he never knew who was going to the palace and he didn't, but he, he did know that he was destined for something great because yes. God had given him that dream. 
And in the natural, when he's looking at all this stuff, I'm sure he's thinking, okay, I'm in a pit. <laughs> My brother's yeah. just sold me into slavery. Yeah. I know I'm in prison. I'm sure he thought, how is what God promised me ever going to come to pass? But that's where you have to hang on to the promises of God concerning you and your life, because it doesn't matter what it looks like. If God promised it, it's going to happen. Yeah. And he just needed some time. You know, the timing had to be right. His character had to be be um, developed as well, because then when his brothers came to him in the palace asking for food, he didn't turn them away. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't, he wasn't unforgiving. He was very humble and... Very willing to help out. Mm -hmm. And he even saw in that moment that what his brothers had meant for harm, God had turned for good. And he told them that. He said, no, what you meant for harm, God was using and God had a plan. And so he didn't even really fault his brothers at that point because he saw how it was all in God's timing and plan. And plan. And then he was able to help save not only his family, but bring them out of the famine. And um, he used his position that the Lord put him in. Not again. I just keep from, think back to his humility. He didn't use it for his own gain. He even used it for the ones who had plotted his murder mm-hmm. yeah. to help them and to save them. As you said, what, the enemy meant for evil, but his brothers meant for evil. The Lord mm-hmm. used it for good, which is one of my favorite, favorite, most comforting things about the mm-hmm. Lord is that the things that we can see in the natural that look like they're bad, that look like they're against us, that look like they're just things that we would never, ever want to endure in that we can trust that God is still working and still doing something. If we can just have the right posture to say, okay, what are you doing here, Lord? What do you want me to learn? What do you, what do I need to develop in my character? What baggage, as you said earlier, do I need to get rid of so that I, I will be ready to move forward when I am in the palace, when I am beyond the season. Right. It's helpful and encouraging. It is. I'm encouraging myself today. <laughs> That's right. Me too. <laughs> I need it today. So I think it's just, I think just the main message that we're trying to hit home today is no matter where you are, no matter what it looks like, don't look at other people. Don't, don't Mm -hmm. see where they are, how far ahead they are or how far behind you they are. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If you focus on God and your relationship with him, that is the only thing that matters. It does not matter what anybody else is doing, Mm -hmm. how quick, they're walking down this this path of faith or not. Right. It's just you and God because ultimately one day it's just going to be you and God. That's right. At the end of your life, That's it's right. going to be you and him. And it's you can't bank on your mama's faith, your grandmama's faith, your husband's faith, mm-hmm. your wife's faith. It's just going to be you and God. And he's going to say to you, what did you do with the gifts I gave you? Yeah. And we, we want to be able to, to answer and, and have him be proud of us and hear, you know, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's really all that matters. That's right.